0: question, isn't it? How long is your shadow? What kind of legacy are you leaving? Because ultimately that's what we as dads are entrusted with. It's what we're entrusted to do. You know, we are, we are called to reflect character and integrity and strength to our, to our children. And um, ultimately, dads who are believers in Christ, what we are called to do is to reflect the Father, the Father to our kids, so that, that what they see is actually God in and through us. I mean, Man, that is a task, isn't it? I mean, that is not an easy thing. That is not a light thing. You know, I mean, that's like hitting you hard right at the beginning with, with this overwhelming expectation. And, and it is overwhelming, and there is no way that, that any of us, no matter how strong we might be in our faith, no matter how much we may love God and, and follow his principles and follow his guidelines, no matter how obedient we are uh, to him and to his word, no matter how sincere our desire, none of us, not one of us men, are going to be able to, to reach that kind of goal on our own. We're not going to be able to, to measure up to that expectation or responsibility in and of ourselves. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit constantly fueling that in us. We've got to be constantly dependent on the power and the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then Him working through us to our children. Now, before you guys tube out, those of you who are not dads or or women who are here, um, please understand... That though uh, what I say today as we continue on in our series, week two here, as we look at the, the father that your family needs, please understand... This is not something that is exclusively limited to dads. Uh, what we talk about can absolutely uh, be something that, that everybody exhibits. So, I mean, if you don't have kids, but you have a family and, and you're, you're an uncle, um, then, then be the best uncle you can to, to those kids and, and support the dad as much as you can. Grandfathers, be the best grandfather to your grandchildren and continue to be a role for your son, their dad, to look up to. Continue to support them and model even in your life and in your years what a good dad looks like. Continue to do that. And moms, support your husband. Support the dad. Love them. Pray for them constantly. Be a prayer warrior for them. And uh, kids, make it easy for your dad to be the dad, okay? Make it easy on him. Love them, listen to them, respect them, even if sometimes it doesn't all make sense. Okay, uh, So there's something that everybody can do to contribute to having in your home the father that the family needs. Okay, There's something that we can all, all do. Um, so we're going to look at what the, the family needs by way of the father, the father that your family needs. But let me tell you really quick what they don't need, what is not needed okay? Your family does not need a super dad, you know? That's what many times we, we feel like uh, is expected of us dads, right? Uh, it, it can feel like that. Even if no one tells you that's the expectation, you can, you can just really feel it. And, um, and sometimes that look, you know, the look from your wife, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Can, can, can I get an amen on that? Okay, yeah, the look, even without ever saying, man, you're really blowing it. You know, like they would never say that. But the look can sometimes, ladies, even if you don't mean it, if you, if you, even if you don't mean to even convey the look, sometimes there's that look in the eye, and, and we men can think, oh, oh, okay, I, I, I hear you loud and clear. You know, okay, I'm not a super dad. Sorry. And, um, and society and culture and, and church even can bring all these pressures in to our thinking. Right, dads? And we can kind of feel like we're expected to be super dad. And the same thing is true for our moms. You know, Mother's Day messages, all the, all the moms kind of shrink a little bit down into the seat because they're expecting Proverbs 31 woman, you know, super mom, super woman. That's not what our families need, though. Okay, they don't need superhero parents. That's not what's needed, and it's a good thing that's not what's needed because that's never going to be able to be conveyed. You know, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be super. We're going to be full of flaws and full of failures. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get angry. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to be selfish. So I'm not talking about perfection. So guys, just rest easy. All right, uh, just breathe. All right, and, and, and everybody, I want every dad to say with me right now, I am not a perfect father. Everybody, one, two, three. I am not a perfect father. That was weak. Let's do that again. Come on, guys. Like you mean it. I am not a perfect father. Now, every, every woman say, you don't have to be. Ready? One, two, three. You don't have to be. Okay, good. We're all on the same page, right? Now we can all go home. We can eat those steaks that are ready. no. We're not perfect fathers, and you just heard it, guys. All the moms and women, they said we don't have to be. All right. So with that in mind, let, let's, talk, let's talk about what kind of father our families do need. Okay? Um, here, here's what your family needs. Your family, my family, here's the kind of father they need. We need a, a father who, first of all, leads his children well. And here's what that means. This means that he's going to, first of all, follow God's example, God the Father, the Father, the ultimate Father. He's going to follow God's example in the way he disciplines, in the way he disciplines. Now, discipline immediately has this very weighty feeling to it, right? This negative connotation. You hear discipline and it's like the hammer falls, dun dun dun, you know, like this big doom and gloom thing. It's like punishment, severe consequence, wrath. You know? That's that's not though. And any way what discipline is intended to be like, that's not what is meant by the Word. All through Scripture, discipline is not pictured in that way. That's what has been warped. That's what has been taken and, and messed up with society's view of it and culture. And that's, that's what we falsely assume discipline is. It's not meant to be a scary, dark thing. It's meant to be good it's meant to be positive it's meant to be healthy and it's meant to be full of love the entire time that it's being used Um, so we need to follow God's example in the way he disciplines because as we're going to see in just a second as we look at some scripture to to follow this um, God the father being a perfect father knows at all times everything we as his children need at all times and what he knows we need is always going to be the best of, of whatever. He's always going to have our best in mind. Now, that does not mean that, that what we think of as best is always going to match what he knows to be best. There's a big difference there. We need to be sure that we're clear on that. But, but he will always, always, at all times, know exactly what we need. And as he gives us what we need, it will always be the best. That includes... Discipline. Here's what uh, Proverbs 3.12 says. Proverbs 3.12. If you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and get there. Bring it up on your phone or your tablet. Proverbs 3.12 says this. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Just as a father, the son he delights in. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a a father, the son he delights in. Here, the, the writer of this proverb is saying, here's, here's God, he's the ultimate example, and he is going to discipline, he's going to initiate the process of discipline with every single person he loves, just like earthly fathers, little f, will discipline the child that he truly does love, the, the child that he, he delights in, the child that he values. In other words, men, fathers, if you really love your kids, I mean, you truly do, it's not just lip service, you really do love them, you want the best for them, you value them, you want them to be the best adult eventually they're going to be able to be, then you must initiate, you must be consistent in the process of discipline. has to be done. Because what we have in, in the opposite, we have all kinds of examples now more than ever in our society, of what happens when, especially fathers, because guys that role biblically, it really does fall on us much more than it does our wives. Not that they aren't part of that process of discipline, but we men, we dads, are meant biblically by divine setup to be the initiator and and really the the moderator of that. And our society is full of example after example after example of what happens when that has failed to be done. The reason we have culture totally falling apart at the seams, the reason our society is in shambles and getting worse all the time, the reason there is all this stuff up for debate um, from, from every corner and every facet of reality, things being questioned that should not be questioned, common sense out the window, crime at record levels, on and on I could go, we don't need to belabor that, you see, you have the news, you get the paper, you you know what's going on. The reason for all of that, first and foremost, is obviously human sin, but the reason it is just so rampant and and now being just unchecked and even applauded and, and promoted, the reason for that comes back to over and over and over at an increasingly alarming rate, fathers, men who are not understanding correctly and not administrating properly, discipline in the home, in their children. Now, let me just be very clear, there is good discipline, right discipline, and then there is is wrong and, and bad discipline. Good discipline is done knowing that this is for the betterment of your child. This is, is done to mold and shape them. This is to correct them lovingly so that they are not endangering themselves or others, or or so that they have the right view of the world and of others and of themselves. It's all about edifying. It's all about building up. It's all about uh, helping and improving that child, making them what they need to be for you, for your family, for society, for themselves, uh, to honor God and everything they are. That's good discipline. That's proper discipline. Bad discipline is done out of personal anger, um, just out of, out of Rage or empty frustration um, out of some, some sense of satisfaction in, in, in being the punisher and having maybe the sense of, of you being bigger and better and, and, and just all about your own authority. That's the wrong view. That's the wrong view. Um, what we have to do is, is follow God's example in the way He disciplines, which is beautifully portrayed in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, we'll look at verses 8 through 14. This is, this is kind of the, the model to follow, a pattern to implement as we are disciplining um, the, the children God has entrusted to us. Here's what Psalm 103, 8 through 14 says. <clears throat> the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Compassionate and gracious. That's key right there. Those are very important words. Slow to anger and rich in faithful love. Slow to anger and rich in faithful love. Aren't you glad that God is that way toward you? Aren't you thankful, church, men, women, children, it doesn't matter, aren't you thankful that, that God the Father exhibits this toward you in your own life? That he is compassionate and gracious instead of you know quick-tempered and, and, and uh, just merciless? He's slow to anger and rich in love. Rich and faithful love. We'll go on. Verse nine says, "He will not always accuse us or be angry forever." Man, I'm glad for that because I could make it so easy for God the Father to to constantly uh, just accuse me over and over and to be angry forever. I mean, that would be just nothing for Him to be able to to be like that. That would make total sense, and I think you would probably agree. But He's not like that. He doesn't always act that way. He shows mercy. He shows grace. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. When you shake Pastor Scott's hand, most of the time he will say, when you ask, How are you doing? if you ask that, he'll say, Better than I deserve. And that's true. That's true of all of us. My dad, my own father, uh, something like that, he, uh, somebody will ask, um, Uh, "...you doing okay, Ed? How you doing?" And he says, "...hey, every day out of hell is a good day." That's my dad's, like, go-to phrase. And it catches them off guard. They're like, "...whoa, (laughs) wait." And then they think about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, And I'm just so thankful that God, our Father, the Father, does not deal with us as He could. As He could. As our sins deserve. Or repaid us according to our offenses... Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, and that's pretty high. It's pretty high because that's not just talking about like the blue sky and the clouds. That's talking about like the atmosphere and, and the, the, where the planets are. I mean, that's the heavens, pretty high. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, in other words, similar to that, to that, that disparity, that, that difference, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, pretty far. That's limitless, really, is what that's saying. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then verse 13 says, as a father has compassion on his children, and that's, you know, a good father, a proper father, or a human father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Boy, that's good news. Boy, that's good news. You know, this is the pattern of a good, loving father. And when you apply that pattern, of the verses that we just looked at, from Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14, if you apply that to Proverbs 3 12, in the way the Lord disciplines, you get a really good, accurate, beautiful picture of how God deals with us as His children. And so, men, dad, what we need to do is look at that example and then seek to implement that and apply that to our own children as we discipline them. Discipline must occur, correction must occur. We need to be that kind of dad that that doesn't shy away from proper beneficial discipline. But we need to make sure, so carefully sure, that when we are disciplining, when we're in that process, that we follow and match and implement God's pattern, his example. You with me? You know, my dad used to say very classically all the time what probably your dad said and, and his dad before him every time I was disciplined as a child, which was frequently, um, he would always say, Now, Chris, and you know where I'm, where I'm heading with this. You could finish the sentence. This really is going to hurt me. You finish it. Yes. Yes. And even as a little kid, I did not look up and say, Thank you, Dad. I believe you. No, what was going through my mind was, Okay, then let's trade places. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it was what I was thinking. Um, and, and I mean, I was disciplined all the time. Not because, again, my dad was the opposite of what I'm saying here, because he just had some you know, twisted enjoyment out of punishing me. No, 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 no. It was because, and and as some of you who knew the young Chris can attest, it was all warranted, all warranted. In fact, my dad was such an example of mercy and grace, I got a lot less than I deserved. Um, But we had uh, a neighbor living up on our hill. Many of you who have been here a long time, know this name, Mr. Van Pufflin. You guys remember Mr. Van Pufflin? Okay, he was a great, great man, but man, he, he didn't fool around, you know? He was, he was cut and, and dry. He was, he was on the narrow, and um, he was into woodworking. He did a lot of woodworking, had a shop and everything that he did a lot of crafts with. Well, I had it in my head that it was always a good idea to sneak up on him, play like Mr. Spy Man, you know, International Man of Mystery and James Bond or whatever. And I would sneak up and, and go into his shop. Woo! I mean, here's a man working with like saws and knives. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't a good idea. Children do not try this at home, okay? And I mean, he would always, you know, jump and, and he'd get really upset. And I'd run back home. My mom or my dad would say, hey, where were you? Nowhere just playing. Okay. Well, that went on and it went on and it went on. And, um, Finally, though, that and a lot of other things started kind of coming together, my parents were, were, were starting to get concerned about their child, Chris Chesley, and, and they were starting to hear reports of, of teachers and Sunday school teachers and people down at Appalachian Bible College that, that this little, cute, perfect child of theirs was terrorizing and causing trouble with, and so they, they, they come, what are we going to do? I don't know. What do, we, what do you think we should do? And... Um, my dad got it in his head. You know what? We need an actual system of discipline. We need something specific. We need something physical. We need something to spank him with. Well, where are we going to get? That? I don't want to just use a spoon. I don't want to, you know. They, I don't want to use the belt, you know. Whoosh, whoosh, the belt, you know, that was just. Whoosh. And uh, they, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to just keep using their hand. You know, they don't want the hand associated with, with a, a, an instrument of, of pain, you know. And, and so, long story short, they called Mr. Van Pufflin. And they were like, my dad said, hey, Mr. Van, we, uh, we are in need of, of a paddle for Chris. And I was wondering if, and before he could even finish, Mr. Van was like, I'll have it to you tomorrow. So, so he crafted this thick wooden, large paddle. I mean, and you know, as I'm remembering it back then, I mean, it was probably like this wide. You know, um, I mean, it, it was it was a, it was a really authentic wood paddle, and um, and it got a lot of good use. Let me tell you. And I could just see Mr. Van as he's working on. it. He's like, <laughs> you know, um, so. What, what, I'm, what I'm getting at in all of that, though, is, is here is my dad, who is a great example of fatherhood then and now, who understood, I've got to correct this pattern of behavior in my son. This is not godly. This is not good for him. This is not good for other people. We've got to step in. We've got to correct this. And he did that. He acted on it. But every time he used that, that tool, that instrument... He really did mean what he said about, I hate to do this. This breaks my heart. This causes me pain. I didn't believe him then, but let me tell you, I believe it now. And every parent does, right? Every mom and dad who's ever had to to discipline a child, whoever uses any type of means like that, which is, by the way, beneficial and necessary and proper within the proper context. You don't want to do that when you're angry. You want to step away. And you don't want to, you know, go overboard. It needs to match the offense. You know, all we could be all, here all day talking about the specifics of that. But you know, any time whatever method of discipline you enforce or inflict, especially if it is physical uh, discipline, you know, mom and dad, that it does. It breaks your heart. It, you know, every time you're doing that and and, and you see your child crying and, and you know that they are are hurting, it just it just tears you up. And so it really does hurt you. Just as much, or not, if not more. And, and so I, I believe that now. And I know that my dad did that, and, and Mom, because they did not want me to be product of what we see so prevalently in our culture and our society, of the, what happens when there is no discipline. The lack of discipline is far, far, far worse than a momentary demonstration of discipline. My dad would always, after every time I had to be spanked, he would always pick me up, hold me, hug me, pray with me. He'd be crying too. And so I saw modeled in him that proper balance of, of grace and truth. And that's always God's way. That's always God's way. Every time God disciplines you, Christian, me, every time he, he has to pull us back in. Every time he has to rebuke, every time he has to correct, it is always done with grace and truth together, mercy and justice together. That is always God's way. And we see that exemplified and personified over and over in how Jesus deals with people. Every time he confronted someone's sin, he did so with truth and with clarity, but he did so with grace and love on full display at the same time. And men, fathers, we need to do the same thing. We need to always exhibit the same. Then uh, also, lastly, under this, this first example of following God's example in the way he disciplines, Ephesians 6.4a, the first part of Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Uh, other translations say, do not provoke your children to wrath. The idea there is torment instead of training. Torment instead of training. Crushing your child's spirit instead of lifting the spirit up through correction and instruction and guidance. And if we're not careful, men, we can do that so, so, so easily. Without meaning to, without thinking, our words are so important. And not just the words, but how they are expressed. Not just what we say, but how we say it. Because your children and my children pay attention much more to tone even more than the word itself a lot of times. And we have to be careful about what we say in itself as far as the words, because they listen, they hear. Even when we think they don't, they hear. And they're paying attention. And we we all have been there where we know, oh, wow, I went too far there with what I said, because we see the look on the child's face. You know what I'm talking about. you've been a dad any length of time, you know that it was just one too many times of the same thing, and you just lost your cool, you know? It just pushed you over the edge, and, and you just, you said something that you didn't mean, you know, you said the, you always are, instead of just keeping it on that isolated incident, so immediately they think, oh, I am always a failure now, I'm always a problem, or why can't you be, why are you always... We know the words, and it just wounds, and it wounds, and it wounds. And if we're not careful, those kinds of open-ended statements, those kinds of constant statements will shape an identity for our children that we would not want them to be shaped with that is not accurate, that is not true, and that is certainly not helpful or God-honoring. So we need to be very careful that we don't torment instead of train. And another way of saying it is, is don't just push all your kids' buttons, you know, because just like you and I don't like to have our buttons pushed, those certain buttons that just send us, you know, ugh, they have those too. And we need to be sensitive to that. So what I'm saying is as we are disciplining, as we are correcting, we need to be aware of the fact that our child is a human being, is a person with emotions, with feelings, with feelings, and that we have to be so careful because there's that delicate balance. There's that fine line of correcting and, and, and building up and instructing and molding and shaping or damaging and tearing down and breaking and crushing the heart and spirit of the child. It's such a fine line and such a delicate balance. We've got to be so careful in that. That's what stirring up anger or provoking your children to wrath is about. In other words, it means you're doing, you're just tormenting, you're lashing out, you're just beating down so much so that they will despise discipline and rebel against it entirely for the rest of their life instead of eventually welcoming it, understanding it, and being made better by it. So, following God's example and the way he disciplines, that's what all that entails. Uh, not only does he follow God's example in the way he disciplines, he teaches his children to personally know and seek the Lord. That's the second part of Ephesians 6.4. He teaches his children to personally know and seek the Lord. So don't stir up anger in your children. Don't torment instead of train. By contrast, here's the second part of Ephesians 6.4, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't stir up anger in your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's the idea of cultivating. That's the idea of nourishing. You know, those of you who are gardeners, those of you who take a lot of attention to caring for your garden or, or your, you know, your fruit trees or your orchards, whatever, you know you have to cultivate. You have to prepare the soil. You have to look at the soil. You have to make sure it's, it's what it needs to be for life to take place, for growth to happen. And you have to constantly be taking things out of it and and pruning and cleaning it up. It's a cultivation, it's a nourishment for life to grow and flourish and for everything that you're working with to thrive, right? It's deliberate, it's intentional, it's strategic. That's the idea here. Bringing up your children, it's cultivating them, nourishing them, paying very close attention to to how they are developing and, and being intentional in your care. And how are we supposed to bring them up? Or what is the goal of bringing them up to? It's in the training and the instruction. That's the teaching of the Lord. In other words, we need dads to teach our children to personally, independently of us, independently of us, to personally know and seek the Lord God for themselves, on their own. In other words, the faith, the faith needs to be their faith, not just yours that they are part of. We need to, to guide and mold and shape and instruct and lead and teach and train. And training involves leading by example. Whenever you're training someone, think of, of training at a job that you received or that you were part of doing, you always lead by example. You, know, you, you model something for them to pick it up. Uh, we always learn the best by seeing it done first and then copying that. That's always the best way of learning. And the same is true in a godly home. We need to, to model and picture what genuine faith and a genuine life in God looks like. We need to do all we can to bring our children into that so that they own it for themselves, that they know and seek the Lord on their own. The second thing that our family needs in, by way of, our, of the father in the home, we need a father who loves his wife well. Now, women, please refrain from elbowing your husband and saying, See? You know, let's not have any of that. Wait for that. Wait for the car for that, okay? Um, We need a father who loves his wife well. And and what I mean by this is we need a father, a dad, a husband who puts the wife, the children's mom, first. Puts her first. He serves her. He honors and protects her. And again, I am not... In any way saying I've got the handle on this, that I have got this down, I'm just perfect. No, I blow it all the time. Okay? Don't ask Leanne. She is not available for comment. Okay? Not available for comment. But but this is what I know should be the goal. This is what I shoot for. This is what I aim for. This is what I strive for. Not perfectly, sometimes not even consistently. But it is a desire of my heart, and I pray, men, it is yours as well. And it's what we all need to strive for. It's what we all need to pursue. It's what we all need to to be accountable with one another, men. What we all need to be sharpening each other in and, and calling each other out and calling each other up on. Because that's what our children need to see. Our children, especially our sons need to look at us and see a man who knows how to treat and love and honor his wife and women in general. Because our society, again, is full to the brim and overflowing with example after example after example of males who profess to be men who have no idea how to be men. Because a big part of being a man is how you treat another woman. And in the context of the home the proper man in the home the proper father is going to love genuinely love his wife well which means he puts her first before himself he serves her he honors her he cherishes her and he protects her that doesn't just mean physically that means he protects her emotions he protects her thoughts he protects her heart and they need to see that they need to see that Ephesians 5:25 and also verses 28 and 29 talk about that in very clear, very clear detail. The Apostle Paul there in Ephesians 5, 25, 28 and 29 says this. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. And here's the hammer, guys. Here's the hammer. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Woo! Now, if that doesn't cause fear and trembling, nothing will. Because let's think about how, what, what that means just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. What does that mean? That means Christ went to the ultimate extent of love for complete sacrifice. That means he laid down his life for the church. He loved the church so much more than he loved himself that he was willing to go to the ultimate degree of sacrifice. That means, men, if we love our wives the way we're supposed to as Christ loved the church, it means we die to ourselves all the time. For the sake of our wives. You first. Me not even in the picture. It's, all, it's, it's about you in this context. It's not about me. How can I make your life more meaningful? How can I come alongside and help you? What do you need from me? Not here's what I need. Self-sacrifice. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Guys, we, we, we're really good at loving ourselves, aren't we? We're really good. We've got that down. We can love ourselves pretty easily, pretty well. What is hard to do, but what is so necessary, is that we love our wives just as much as we value our own life. In fact, even more so. And that our children look at that and they see that. And they they come away, and maybe not fully understand, but they come away with a sense of, wow, wow, daddy really loves mommy, doesn't he? Wow, look at at how great dad is to mom. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to do two things. If you have a daughter, that's going to show her the kind of man she needs to wait for. If you have a daughter, that's going to show her she's not going to just settle, she can't just settle, she shouldn't just settle. She's going to wait and look for a man who's going to treat her like her dad has always treated her mom. If you have a son, it's going to raise him up to be that kind of man. You with me? Following me on this? Two things so important there. Two things so important. So men, dads, your family needs a father... Who loves his wife well. And then lastly, not only does your family need a father who leads his children well and loves his wife well, your family needs a father who establishes loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord, loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord, regardless of culture and circumstance. Your family needs a father who establishes loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord, regardless of culture and circumstance. I want you to look at Joshua 24 verses 14 through 15. Joshua 24:14 through 15, says this, verse 14, Joshua 24. "Therefore, fear the Lord." And worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And worship Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh. Choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family... See, there's that ownership, that personal declaration. We will worship Yahweh. At this time, Israel was facing a crossroads. They had to make a decision. They were either going to go the way of the pagan nations and implement their idol worship and and their total lawlessness, their sinfulness, their godlessness, or they were going to make a stand and say, No, we will worship only the Lord God. And the challenge was given, and the standard was set. Regardless of what you all decide, regardless of what you land on, we, as for me and my house, we will serve and worship the Lord. And that needs to be the battle cry of every father's lips, regardless of the culture around you regardless of the cultural norm, regardless of the cultural expectation. And now, more than ever, church, church, we need fathers who will establish loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord in our home and in our family, in our children, despite what culture is like around us. Because culture is just further disintegrating, further questioning, further mocking any type of faithfulness and standards that the Lord God would call for. They need to see a difference in your home. You need to say, no matter what happens out there, we here are on the side of truth and holiness, and the Lord God is our God, no matter what. Not just culture, though, that we need to stand against. We need to also stand true, stand firm, follow the Lord God, love the Lord God, serve Him only, worship Him despite circumstance. Habakkuk three seventeen through 18 says this, Habakkuk 3:17 and 18 Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls which is pretty despairing that's pretty much everything that's pretty much lacking every necessity and provision that's total economic collapse Sound familiar? Sound close to home? Where are we going to find what we need to survive? What's going to happen to the jobs? What's going to happen to our area? Where where are we going to see the end of this this despair? When's the light going to come on? How are we going to get out of this? Job after job after job goes away. Livelihood is gone. Stability is gone. What, I mean, what this represents is the lack of economic stability the lack of even basic needs, the lack of provision, the lack of hope, and we're seeing that all around us right now. So many people affected, so many people in despair. Now, again, more than ever, church, our family needs, and and people looking in on our families need to see a father who will say what verse 18 says, yet, despite all that being true, and if all that happens, if everything around me crumbles, yet, yet, I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And your children need to hear that on your lips. Your children need to see that lived out in your life where no matter what uncertainty comes into your home, no matter what instability happens outside, that they will see a father, a dad, whose faith in God is not shaken and who stands courageously hoping in him. Knowing that no matter what happens, if you are saved, you have everything you will ever need because of eternity. But not just that, you have the promises of the God of all the universe who will always supply your every need. And they need to see that so that they can believe it. Your family needs a father who leads his children well, who loves his wife well, and who establishes loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord, regardless of culture and circumstances. Basically, guys, what this means is your family needs to see the Father in you. Your families need to see the Father in you. So that when they watch you and they look at you and they model, model their life after you, which they will and which they do, when they say to you, Dad, I want to be just like you, like we saw on the video this morning, that by saying that, they are saying, I want to be just like you the father that by being like you it is the same as them being like the father that's what your family needs and like i said at the beginning please hear me this is only possible through the holy spirit through his power through his empowerment through his guidance of you through his leading of you you cannot cannot do this on your own you will fail every time you will get weary and discouraged, and, and it will never be what it needs to be in your home. But if you and I depend, we covenant on depending on the Holy Spirit moment by moment, we seek His strength, His guidance, His help, then it is possible to be consistent in this. It's only possible through the Spirit. So, with that in mind, happy Father's Day to you. And. Let's covenant to be the help for each other, guys, that we need. I need your help. You need mine. Let's let's do this together. Let's help and encourage one another to be these kinds of fathers. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for you being the ultimate and perfect example of fatherhood. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your great faithfulness. Thank you for the way you discipline, that, that you discipline us with love and, and with sincerity. And you, you show mercy and grace even while you're disciplining us. Thank you for giving us the example of Christ and, and loving the church so much that he gave his own life and sacrifice so that we can, as fathers, love our wives the same way, sacrificially. And, oh, Father, please help us to take the stand that we read of in Joshua against the culture, saying no matter what everyone else decides, we will stand with God, for God, loving him only. And as we saw in Habakkuk, may we be resolved that no matter what happens economically and financially and physically around us, we will hope in, in you, God, that we will, we will know that That we will always have what we need from you, and that you are always perfect and always faithful. May we believe that, and our children see all of these things lived out. I pray for every one of my brothers in Christ that you would fill them with the Spirit, empower them to be these kinds of fathers that our families truly need. And if anyone is here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that does not have the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just penetrate their heart and their mind, and let, him, let them see that without him this is impossible. And the only way to have this help is through surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray all of these things for everyone that's here today, thanking you for what you will do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.